Music from D.C. and Baltimore You'll find it all here on Corridor Waltzes or cut time or straight for four You'll find it all here on Corridor Hi everybody, this is Kelsey and welcome back to Quartercast. This week's episode is with Wingdam. I was super excited to talk to them. They're an amazing band and it was cool to get to know them a little bit. You'll hear in this conversation a little bit about their writing process. It's always fun to delve into that and to get a few pointers. But stay tuned to the end because Abe tells this amazing story about Sarah losing her wallet on tour and they end up like chasing down money on the side of the interstate. (laughs) It's pretty wild. There's one thing that I want to correct because uh, some of you may know that I'm a reporter by profession, and so errors drive me insane. (laughs) This is such a stupid little thing, but I just want to make sure it's right. In the course of our conversation, I make it sound like I have a friend that lives in Astoria, and that's incorrect. What happened was I visited my friend who lives in the Portland area. She lives outside of Portland, and we traveled to Astoria together. So just for the record, because I'm an insane person, even though nobody cares, I just want to get that right. All right, quick St. Labrada news. I am super excited that we're going to get back to practicing soon. It's been way too long. We finished the record. Family stuff was coming up, so we kind of put the brakes on things until we got mixes back. But um, we're going to get back to practicing, which is good because I'm starting to feel, starting to get that itchy skin of not playing with those ladies. So we also got some art back for our album, and there's still work to be done on it, but it looks great. I can't wait to share this all with you guys. It's kind of got me all squirrely. And what else is up? So last night I went to see The Descendants, and they were great. They're old guys now, but they still got a lot of energy. It was a really good time. It was kind of special, though, because I got to see uh, the local band Canker Blossom open up for them. And I've been trying to get those guys on the show, because uh, my old band did a show with them to nobody. And now here they are blowing up, you know, opening to a packed house for the Descendants, and people were chanting their name, trying to get them to do an encore. Thankfully, they didn't, because that'd be rude as anything for an opener to do an encore. But um, yeah, it's so wonderful to watch those guys blow up. And hopefully, we'll get them on the show at some point. Uh, yeah, but that's about everything going on. So here is Wingdam. Before you hear the chat, I'm going to play you the song Dig. This is off their last album, Glow Ahead, which is great. So enjoy it.
everybody. We're here with Wayne Dam. Thank you guys for uh, taking the time to meet with me. How's it going? Yeah. Doing all right. All right. <laughs> to start with, so people can recognize your voice, can you just say your name and what you play? Yeah, I'm Sarah. I play bass. I'm Abe. I play drums. And I'm Austin, and I play guitar. All right, cool. Um, well, let's start at the beginning. Let's just kind of take this somewhat chronologically. So um, how did you guys meet? Well, let's see. Um... I moved into a house actually just a couple blocks down the road uh, in 2011, and uh, started playing Wing Dam uh, as a solo project. And I was it was just me with a loop pedal. Oh really? This and, was solo. I didn't. Yeah, for a year I played just like locally some stuff. Um, it was like pretty different. And uh, then I started for like the last solo thing I put out. Uh, Abe had just moved into the house, and I asked if he wanted to play some drums on a couple songs. And it went over uh, really well. And so we had a record release for this final solo Wing Dam release, but I wanted to do something special with it. And so I asked Sarah if she wanted to join the band uh, and play bass. And that was just kind of our first time playing together as the three of us was for this show, this record release show. And how did you guys know each other? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We knew each other because we had started, like, fooling around like, when he moved into that house, I was moving out, and he took my room, but I, we started hanging out, and then we're like, um, who, who, I like those sound effects. Thank you. That really paints the picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who played your album release? So, okay, so it was, uh, the album was actually a split tape. We literally made, like, 15 of them, ever, and it was, uh, Sarah's solo project, Witch Magic, and my solo Wingdam stuff as a split cassette and then at the show it was also like fell band and uh brother simon which is nick hogberg's like old solo stuff and teenage souls played it was like uh at the whole gallery i have no recollection of this yeah it was was just it was like i guess it was kind of it was the culmination of a lot of like uh each of us working on solo things and ever since then uh, Witch Magic has been some variation of Sarah with usually I'm playing something, whether it's keyboard or bass or drums or something, and then like we've had other people in that band. Including then, Abe. Including Abe. And then uh, Wingdam has been the three of us since uh, since that show, yeah. actually. And when was that? When are we talking about? Like about Probably what year? 20, 2012. 2012. Yeah. Okay. yeah, we recorded in the winter of 2011. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And what was that transition like from uh, having solo material and then, you know, having uh, Serenade work on it? I mean, I just, like, was glad to hear more, you know, things happen to my songs than I could have imagined myself. I mean, I also was pretty bored with doing, uh, not bored, but uh, felt a little constrained with just having a loop pedal and and just me just there and, you know, all the pressures on you to like get the loop right yeah. and there's less less kind of just like rocking out yeah well all your so- your solo wing dam songs also rely heavily at least on the recordings um on like multi-track vocal harmonies mm-hmm. and you can't mm-hmm. really do that live right and so it was it was a, th- a thought from the very beginning that we would be singing harmonies a lot as much as possible and the harmonies come together so nicely. Uh, do you write your parts? or mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. And so what's the writing process like for you guys then? Uh, well, sometimes, well, most recently, the way I've been writing songs is like, um, 
so we all play in the house and like a will be playing drums and like writing this like super cool like funky beat or whatever and then i'll get obsessed with it and come down and like start playing guitar over it and we'll just jam on it for a little while until i come up with like a guitar line and then a vocal melody and then i go into my like snail hole of solitude and like figure out <laughs> a way to write title yeah snail hole of solitude and write some lyrics but um we write separately mm-hmm. with or without abe and then figure the whole yeah. song out and then bring it to the band because we're i would say sarah and i are primarily like i mean we write on guitar and then you know uh Sarah will show me the song on guitar and then come up with a bass line. Um, but we do each write separately and then bring stuff to the group as a whole. And then things might change, you know, sections get moved around or like we change the lyrics for part of it or something, but it's like, uh, it's each of our initial like songwriting. And so, what were you going to say? It seems like the harmonies come last though, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. After we definitely know we like the the vocal line the and could change. the lyrics. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they, they yeah. Yeah, we yeah we've done some stuff, and especially like playing some songs. Like our first album, official album, is the, the three of us is twenty thirteen, and we're still playing a couple of those songs live. But we've to keep them fresh, we've like changed some stuff up, mm-hmm. added some harmony parts, stuff like that. Crunched it up a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you guys all live in the house? Mm-hmm. We do. Oh, that's pretty cool. Currently. So, what is that like uh, living? <laughs> Not that? for long. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm moving okay. okay. January first, but right oh, down okay. the street. Down you the going street. far? Just down the street. All right, that's yeah. awesome. Um, well, for now, then. Uh, so, what's the vibe like? Like, um, you know, because I guess do you guys write at like three in the morning, or whatever, <laughs> or like? No, we have a uh, we have neighbors, growing okay. up neighbors, but they let us. They're they're excited about having us here and making music they like we just have a window of opportunity we can do quieter stuff later yeah and like fool around jamming or something like that i i usually write when everybody's out of the house because i get like shy the only time in my life i'm ever shy is Mm -hmm. when i'm like writing a song and Mm -hmm. i don't know what i'm saying or doing and i'm like (laughs) like like, trying to figure out what to do i totally relate to that especially if it's like some song that you're working on like you don't want people to hear it while it's in process Mm -hmm. yeah Um, Yeah, and like we're we're like i mean as i would assume anyone is uh pretty sporadically writing like i'll go for a while without having anything i'm happy enough with to like bring to the group so it's like it gets the the writing gets done in little bits and pieces, kind of here yeah. and there. I didn't write a song for an entire year <laughs> last year, and then we moved into the house, and I was like, I picked up a guitar, and I was like, oh yeah, I love this, and then like pounded out a few, but I'll go like a really like a uncomfortable length of time without writing something new. So, when do you guys find that you're inspired to write something like? Um, I don't know, on drums, do you just, like, have a beat in your head, or are you just, like, practicing and then become something, or? I usually have to just, like, lose inhibitions and just try and do stuff new and fumble into it. I'm not, like, a taught drummer, uh, self-taught, I guess, but not, like, a train. So I just, like, fool around until I find something that sounds good, and then try to recreate it, if I can. Pretty organic, it sounds like. I feel like you go through these phases, like... 
Like you're kind of in like a tropical sounding phase now. Like, also rim shots. Yeah, yeah it's in like a rim shot <laughs> phase tunnel. right now, but it sounds tunnel so down. freaking yeah. awesome. That's like relatively new. Mm-hmm. The toms like being in tuned and stuff. I don't know. Maybe you can work in some like reggaeton beats in there and stuff. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to. Mm-hmm. And how about you? Um. I'm sorry. What was the question like? Uh, yeah, like when do you find yourself when do I, inspired? Yeah. Like how? It it's completely random. I don't know. I'll like sometimes get a an idea just fooling around on the guitar, but um, unless I can really unless I can really like drum up some some worthwhile kind of lyric content. It kind of stop. It kind of fizzles there. So it's like it all has to kind of come together at the same time for me. Yeah, it's kind of like lyrics are the weirdest. Like I can write songs, like just song songs with no words, all day. But when it comes to like writing quality lyrics or like you know lyrics that like have some sort of artistic or like emotional value to them, I feel like change or depression mm-hmm. or like extreme excitement just like very extreme emotions cause me to like actually have something to write about that people could possibly relate to mm-hmm. and if i don't have something to write about then i lie and make something <laughs> up <laughs> so so do you write a lot from your own life then yeah sure yeah. i sure do totally yeah i think we we both do definitely mm-hmm. like it's like they're usually introspective lyrics yeah. or about like yeah, they're introspective. Yeah, like most songs, I could look back and say this is exactly what that's about. Um, and I guess I try to like get a little nostalgic, nostalgic sometimes, and like write about stuff that I don't know happened a long time ago. Um, if I don't know if there isn't anything particularly yeah. exciting happening at the moment. A lot of times, I'll like write a song and just write some really vague like filler lyrics. And then come back to it a couple days later and like list like re saying the filler lyrics. I'm like, oh my god, this is actually like about something. Yeah. That is happening, but I didn't realize it when I was just like stream of consciousness, like writing stuff down for it, which is kind of cool. It's like mm-hmm. my future self looking out for my now self. <laughs> and it's so interesting <laughs> to pick those apart. Like you know, you may have even mumbled something just because the, the sounds were good, and then you're like, oh my god, this is like enlightening about where I'm at right now. Yeah, I love when that happens. Yeah, I know. I'm always like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, all right, so you had an album that came out a little while ago now, Glow Ahead. Um, talk to me about that. Where did you record it? And what was it, in October or something? Did I read that right? We recorded we it in two, two chunks. Two, sec- two little sessions. In October and then in January. End of January. Yeah. February. Like Fe- maybe February. Going into February. Yeah. Um, we recorded at Rightway Studios. Which is here in like Remington. Okay. Um, it's a really cool, weird, unassuming building that has like a labyrinth of like all these different rooms in it and stuff. Um, and we recorded with um, Rob, Rob Girardi, who is the man, mm-hmm. uh, the the Garth of Baltimore. <laughs> he has been called. He's uh, recorded like Beach House and like their iconic record, and then he's done a lot of stuff. He, I mean, he he was also. Uh, doing the Bond Street District album, like, soon after we were in there. So he's, like, a range, um, but I think that, like, kind of the rock stuff is his strong point, mm-hmm. so we hit it off pretty well. Um, but it was a weird time recording, at least, I mean, the, the, the first section was, like, like three days or something like that, and then we went back for another four, and, and 
in you know by the time like right before we went back in in February or whatever for the second session, uh, Sarah and I had both just like days before quit smoking. Yeah, and so we were like in the studio on the on the patch like <laughs> fiending out. Maybe a little cranky. Long 12-hour days. A little cranky, yeah. Yeah, like, when we, like, full disclosure, I'm just going to say it. Um, well, the first time we recorded, um, I had kind of, like, a bit of a drinking problem and was, like, kind of, you know, like, hungover in the studio and then, like, you know, towards the end of the day, you know, like, eight, nine, ten hour day in the studio, you know, we'd all be drinking and stuff and still doing vocal takes and... And then right after in, in, you know, January, February, when we recorded, I was like five days sober (laughs) and like feeling really crazy and like raw and like just like a raw nerve. Like I felt my whole body felt like a sore tooth, Mm -hmm. but like going back now, I can like point out the differences like to me, you know, in my vocal takes from when I was like, you know, drinking and smoking to when I wasn't. Yeah. So there's like, like, there's like four songs on the album that are. With drinking, and like <laughs> eight songs that are without, or something like that, um, yeah. and yeah, it was wild. But what I think are, what it, are the drinking songs? I'm trying to remember. I think that dig the one that I emailed you was from, okay. the first, and that's the, the one with the vocal <laughs> take that makes me want to rip my face off. That's like cut into. It's the just wax. one it's part done. of one take that we like. We like pushed on through it, but it probably could have been a redo. Yeah, <laughs> could have been a redo. It was dig, uh, the single. I'm wild. I'm wild. No, no, no. Beached. Beached. And the I don't know why I'm blanking on the song names. Job. Song? Not job. No. Uh, Smoke. The song about winter. Uh, ride or die. Ride or die. Oh, no, that uh, makes sense that I would record that. I think we did four. Yeah, we did four. And was it smoking? It's been so long ago at this point. Yeah. Oh, that was the last one. Oh, you're right. Uh, you don't think it was on wild? I don't remember, honestly. But we do have, I mean... I know it was those three. Maybe it was just three. The um, the song Remove Me is like, not to just Drop tell it. your story, Let but is like about getting sober and, mm-hmm. and kind of taking a, a step back and looking at your relationship with alcohol. Yeah. Um, and so it was like very timely to record that. I mean, so that was one of the songs. Twined. Right. Yeah. Those were some of the songs that we, that we finished writing right before we went into the studio that second time. And so it was like all days before. Yeah, almost. literally, I think smoke and twine, we had figured out a, a couple, maybe two weeks before and played it like one show. And that's like not our style really to like, just go into the studio with something that hasn't been tested. But like, I think the fact that it was so fresh in our minds and like exactly what was happening at the time made, you know, it that much more real. Mm-hmm. I think it removed me is my favorite song from the album. And I feel like that whole, Backstory has a lot to do with that. And if you don't mind me asking, I, I, I don't want to like harp on this too much if you're not comfortable, but has sobriety changed your songwriting, the, the new stuff you're working on? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I, I'm like totally comfortable talking about it. Like maybe too comfortable talking about it. I tell like strangers in line, I'm like, hi, I haven't had a drink in two years. Um, <laughs> well, it's good for people to know because this is something a lot of people deal with, a lot of musicians especially. Yeah, yeah. I feel like in the music... Seen it's either like one way or the other, sometimes with the exception of a couple people, but like, um, yeah, it's changed my songwriting process in the sense that I'm like way more uptight. Um, it's a lot harder to like access that creative part of my brain, like without chemical relaxation. 
Um, so it's hard to like trust myself. It's hard to feel comfortable enough to like start and, you know, it's hard to feel loosey goosey and just access that part of your brain that you've only ever accessed through, you know, like smoking weed or drinking or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, do you think that that puts that, I don't want to like lead you to an answer, but what do you think that does to the finished product of, of songs? Yeah. Well, like, thankfully my style has been preserved. Um, so like my, you know, songs still come out sounding like my songs, but I feel like I, um, they're possibly just like, they're about different things now. And they're written from a totally different place. And I feel like they have just a little bit more, like, not intricacy, but, like, a little bit more, like, emotional intricacy to them lyrically when they come out. Sure. I'd hope. Yeah. (laughs) I would hope people would think. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. And I hope, you know, you're able to maintain that because that's that's healthy. And, um... You're much more confident in your vocal takes. Yeah. Or, Or just, like, your voice in general. Thank you. Yeah, that really, like, I feel like that really came out really yeah. well in that second session of recording. And, like, Rob did some cool things with, uh, with like, effects for the vocals, like, in... Uh, Ride or Die. In Ride or Die, in Remove Me. Job. In Job. He, like, figured out some kind of song-specific, like, reverbs and stuff well, that true. was, yeah. like, extra tailored to Sarah's yeah. voice. That made me feel takes. so special in the studio. <laughs> I was, like, beautiful. doing a vocal take, and then all of a sudden there's, like, this crazy, like, tape echo delay, yeah, like, like, on my voice, and I'm just, like... Digital reverb thing. thought of me. Yeah, like, yeah. So that was that was really cool. Yeah. Well, at least it shows I sing better, that's for sure, because <laughs> I remember them, and, like, <laughs> I'm sure... I, Saying fine, that no, no. I like uh, the album. It doesn't sound super produced, even though it has those little studio magic right. bits you were just talking about. Um, do what? What are you going for in a live show? Like when you were touring this, um, were you trying to recreate the recording, or? I feel like the recordings try to recreate the live. Yeah, show. Mm. we've we've always been going into recording albums saying we want it to sound like when you see us. I mean, we will do. We've always been doing the instruments live in the studio like all together and then overdubbing the vocals um just because you want that like you want the vocals to like really be perfect but uh we've we've always wanted the yeah we've always wanted it to be like what you hear is what you get yeah. uh, we might do a little things a little differently with the next one though thinking about maybe more overdubs yeah what do you think Avery? uh show wise yeah, we just play the songs. <laughs> it's not very, it's, it's really like, yeah, we haven't like tried to create something that we couldn't recreate live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think. Though I'd love to like no. push to like multiple instruments live or like, I don't know, push myself a little further because I like, sometimes at a show, like when we've been playing songs for like five years and like. I don't know. I can only just stand there with the bass because I'm at the microphone and stuff. I kind of just like wish I had like one more thing to do. Have a little keyboard in front of you. I know, right? A little block and spiel. I want less. I want. I want less to do. Almost sometimes, like I'd almost rather put the guitar down and just sing sometimes or something like that. Yeah, um, but. That's not going to work. No, I know. It's not. Give me the cowbell to hold while I play the bass. 
<laughs> it is just it is tricky to like work with being constrained to uh, a mic and a guitar. Like I mean, when there's when it's a three piece band, there's really no one to fall back on. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you see like bands like you know just to go for like the easy example like Future Islands. You know, Sam can really like put on like this performance where he's like singing and like giving you know like giving his all to the audience and i'm like doing that giving my all you know but i'm just like i can't go anywhere <laughs> or i can't sing my part you know what i mean like you can't walk around no wireless mic like, for you i know i gotta get a britney bitch microphone <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> she's like uh, it, uh we'll no, start, you'll start the go fund me for me <laughs> <laughs> All right, next project is to get them a headset mic. So. Yeah. Um, and so apart from the the uh, uh, apart from the vocal things, were there any uh, surprises or any new things that you guys did in the studio that were just kind of might might be interesting for people to look out for? I um I tried to. I had all these ideas because the, at the studio they have all these rooms full of amazing, like, weird old gear. And there was, like, you know, vintage amp closet. And it's just full of amazing things that I've always seen and never played through. And I had an idea to do, like, a feedback overdub for part of one song. Uh, and, you know, Rob brought out all these, like, vintage tiny little tube amps that looked cool as hell. And it ended up just not really... I There's, like... No one would be able to recognize it. There's probably like a two second like transitional. It sounds kind of superfluous in yeah. hindsight. Yeah. Yes, I just used the word superfluous, no, and right. you're yeah. welcome. <laughs> I like it's superfluous. How much I like how you use that word. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and I did want to talk about your guitar tone because I'm I'm a guitar player and sick. <laughs> well, it is a sick tone. So tell me about what you're playing nerd out with that kind of thing like um well so for amp wise when i'm when we play live i i just i have a, a pv classic 50 which is just a 410 tube combo it's like you know built like a tank and uh it's kind of like a fender baseman but it doesn't break up as much i think it has more headroom um and i've always recording i've always wanted to like go through two amps so that there's a kind of, you know, more tone to choose from. Mm -hmm. um, and when we did the second album, Shifter Bliss, I did, I literally went through two of the exact same amp. And going into recording Glow Ahead, I was like, that kind of didn't add as much as I was hoping it would. And so they busted out the, um, he had, uh, let's see, at the studio, it was like a 60-something uh Bandmaster head on like a Marshall cab okay. in, co in combination with my amp. And so one got, you know, maybe a little grittier and the other one was a little bassier. Um, and so there was that like mix of tones at all times. Um, and then I was playing a, a, a Jaguar with humbuckers on it for, oh, nice. for all of that recording. But since then, I've kind of gone back to uh, my favorite electric guitars, just a Les Paul. And I'm like, you can't I, go wrong I, I, I will no longer yeah I sold I sold the Jaguar <laughs> I don't know I just I, I, I've completely 100% uh, just I'm just a, a Gibson person I've come to terms with that he's <laughs> a Gibson boy I've, I've tried a lot of guitar Gibson like I've tried boy. like you know I'll get a used one I'll try it out and I'll sell it because I don't like it and I'm like just I want to I don't know know what my options are but I'm definitely 
Definitely a, a Gibson. Well, Jaguar's sound is so different mm-hmm. from a Gibson, so if that's what you're looking for, it's kind of hard to right, replace right. that with a Jag. But yeah. And how about you? What, what's your bass setup? I play a Fender jazz bass. It's Austin's bass. I don't know anything about basses. Just for like total disclosure, I'm not a pedal junkie, and I'm not. A, I'm like I know nothing about gear except how to set it up and play it. Um, but I have a. I have a. Well, that's not true. I have an overdrive pedal, and a. It's overdrive and distortion. It's a big muff. Pie. That's all you need. Yeah, I like. I'm more of a guitar player. Do you, so you did you when you started playing music you started on guitar? Was well, it? um when I started doing like so I'm I'm classically trained as like a flute player. Really? <laughs> yeah, I like from the from like age child to age adult. <laughs> I like went to college for it um and all that stuff but I dropped out of college and like picked up guitar like literally the same day. My roommate had a guitar. I was like, I'm going to be a real musician. I don't want to play this fake shit. Um, so yeah, I like learned how to play guitar and then like five years down the road, Austin asked me to play bass and it like, I don't really dabble that much. So like when Austin was like, I was like, I, dude, I don't know how to play bass. He was like, it's a guitar. It's actually just like the bot, you know, the uppermost part of the guitar when you're playing it. And I was like, <laughs> like my head exploded. I was like, all right. Everything wide open. Well, I guess I play bass. Yeah. So, have you ever thought about uh, incorporating flute into this? I mean, yeah, we jammed on it. Yeah, and we, we did also one a, song. Yeah, with, tell us. Flute. Uh, so, I, f- I think it was 2014 or 15. Uh, it was the like 20th anniversary of Cisco's The Thong Song. 2015? <laughs> yeah. A 15 year? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Local boy, too. Um, yeah. yeah. And so, <laughs> WTMD Radio in Towson had like a, like a, reimagining the thong song thing where they had like a bunch of bands come in and do their versions and like you know horse lords did one and like matmos did yeah. one it was fucking it was you weird. should send kelsey the link yeah we oh, so I we, we covered the thong song and sarah played flute da, 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 da. <laughs> she did the hook on the flute yeah. and it was pretty wild oh, it was man, awesome but we we want to do a uh, a more serious use of flute i think yeah. in the future she's amazing on the flute Whatever. Okay. <laughs> We've done some jams and like <clears throat> run the flute through pedals and stuff, and it sounds pretty good. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Now it's that I think while. about it, yeah. We did that the day we jammed at Federal Street mm-hmm. and wrote "Ride or Die." Oh really? Oh, because of the yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's you right. were like modulating everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like flute through effects could be. A lot of fun. Yeah, it's hard to kind of, like, break that mental wall that I have of, like, being classically trained, I only ever learned how to, like, play red music, like, Mm -hmm. play sheet music and stuff, so whenever I bring out the flute, I feel kind of, like, stuffy, stodgy, and, like, uninspired, (laughs) even though it's, like, I have all these skills and I just have to shift the perspective while Mm -hmm. I'm playing it, like, how I'm coming at it, but I get kind of, like, it was always a very serious flute thing when I was, like you know, involved in, you know, like, the band world, like, uh, symphonic wind ensemble world and stuff. It was always, like, competitive and, like, super serious mm-hmm. and, like, aspiring to be, like, a professional. So, like, that kind of, like, tone that I've set for myself with the flute is, like, hard to override at this point. Yeah. 
So what was that switch like down this dark path of rock and roll versus <laughs> uh, symphonic, like that kind of professional music world? Well, it was awesome. So like I totally enjoy playing flute and like symphonic wind ensemble situations like the organized band you know like we're all on the same literally on the same page or sheet music (laughs) but i started feeling like super like why why is this like considered an art form you know what i mean like yeah it takes a lot of talent and stuff but like it really requires no imagination or like you're not writing anything so i i just to me to be able to like i've always like Growing up watching, like, the Josie and the Pussycats movie and, like, being into, like, you know, rock bands and, like, emo and pop punk and all this stuff. Like, as I was as a kid, like, I've always wanted to be in, like, a rock band and, like, play guitar and stuff. So, like, finally, like, learning how to do it was really physically painful and, like, mentally (laughs) challenging. But, like, now that it's been a part of my life for so long, I'm just, like, so... I forget how stoked I am on it because I, like... Went through the very stoked phase and now in kind of like the, I fought, tend to fall into like taking it for granted and forgetting that it's like something that I really wanted to do and that I can do. Yeah, that's awesome. And when did you know you wanted to play drums? How did that start for you? Um, <clears throat> I was really into hip hop as a kid. My first, first music video I ever saw was... Oh, Cool J, Mama Said Knock You Out. Oh, nice. And my granddad, like, pulled me away from the TV as soon as he found out. But uh, I was hooked on the beat. So then I, like, my buddy had some drums at his house, and he never played them. So I would go to his house, and he was, like, my oldest best friend, and he still is. But um, he had drums. He had, like, a beautiful pearl red drum kit and uh, would never play him. I never saw him play him. And I had this beat in my head, and one day I banged it out on the drums, and I was super hooked, but I never had a drum set until uh, college. So, like, when I was 20, I started uh, experimenting with drums. And we also did a lot of recording because my roommate was a musician. Um, He wouldn't call himself a musician, but he is. (laughs) <laughs> and, does uh, he play music he doesn't that much anymore but, uh, but he can he's got some recordings and stuff he's great then he's a musician yeah <laughs> and um i don't know after that i had been i played a lot more regularly and started being in bands and like playing some shows uh here and there and then uh i guess when i moved to baltimore it became a little bit more Serious. How long ago was that? 2008. Okay. Um, I've like moved away for short periods of time. Every now, like three times since then. But most of that time has been spent in Baltimore. Mm. And uh, and how about you? Um, did, did you have you played music since you were a kid? Um, yeah. So I had like maybe kind of a similar upbringing musically as Sarah. I was like classically trained on piano. And I took lessons from like fourth grade into the depths of high school, and I stopped. I stopped enjoying it somewhere around probably ninth grade. Um, I had a very old school teacher, and she was uh, 
strict about, you know, you're going to practice this 10 times a day or something like that. And like stuff, like if I was looking at my hands at the piano, she would like drape a scarf over my hands so I couldn't see them and stuff. And so I just got pretty fed up with that. Combined with uh, the first band I was ever in, I was playing keyboard and I was like the ninth grader with all these like, you know, juniors and seniors in high school. And I was like, oh, cool. Like I'm in this rock band. Oh, but I'm like here playing this crappy keyboard. It's like they're all rocking out, and I'm just like mm. <laughs> bell tone. Like so, I like plus all my friends in high school, all my friends play guitar, and they were all like taking lessons and getting really good. And so I said, you know what, I'm gonna stop with the piano lessons. I'm glad that I know how to play and I know enough about theory to like you know just show me you know once I I taught myself guitar kind of sophomore year of high school and like. As soon as I could get the basics of what chords were what, I knew where to put them from the piano, like, training. So I just kind of went with that. And, I mean, I'm still glad that I took piano lessons, but I don't. it, it, it had its little place in my life. And I love playing piano far more now that I don't have, like, obligations to do it. Yeah, I learned piano when I was little when I was little and I wish I'd stuck with it for the theory for mm-hmm. the theory mm-hmm. aspect because it's all laid out there right in front of yeah, you yeah exactly yeah I wish I had it too mm-hmm. I wish I had taken piano when I was young Abe's been Abe, Abe shreds the bass though like, oh yeah surprise like you, you have an ear for it okay yeah it's rhythmic about it, but like, yeah. like we had a really fun like hour long like, actual music jam with can, you on bass I can do it so long as I don't have to follow any other uh, instruments instrument, yeah like, aside from the guitar and as long as no one else has to follow me it was sick though it sounded like esg and it was just like funky <laughs> yeah like i was playing, playing drums, drums yeah. and he plays was playing guitar it was fun to switch yeah. you think that might be something you would lock down for a recording or performance later or? nah no nah. i mean not this guy yeah yeah not this go around <laughs> but we do like it really enjoy like it's cool that we have everything in the basement and that we're, we all can kind of like pick up a couple instruments and just like sometimes like bust out the mold and jam on some weird shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are future plans? Um, what, uh, what do you guys have in the, in the works people should know about? Well, any and every single record label out there listening intently to this podcast, <laughs> we are available. We are yearning. <laughs> We are here for you. We're First bidder gets the prize. First bidder probably wins. First bidder wins. Lowball us. It's cool. Right now we're uh, we're working on these new songs, making sure that we we're happy with them and we have a, a solid album's worth of material. And then we're gonna go into the studio probably sometime early 2018 and and record. Uh, and then be yeah shopping that around once it's done. Because the last one you put out on Friends, is mm-hmm. that we put out all three of our records on Friends. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, I didn't yeah. Know but I mean, I mean, technically, I think that the first two albums don't even count as full lengths because they're like around like half an hour long. I don't they know. Totally what the, like, count. They count. <laughs> they count. Anyway, uh, we're yeah we're we're moving towards other things with this new album. We're gonna like take our time with it and like. Yeah, all our other times in the, the studios, right we've, like, recorded entire albums in, like, three days. You know, and that's just... We'd really like to take some time to have fun and yeah. not be so stressed out. Yeah. And that would, I think that would lead to things like trying more new stuff, trying overdubs. I'm definitely open to the idea of making something that doesn't sound exactly like it would live. Um, because someone pointed out to me that 
then it's like, yeah, it's not going to be like what you see when you see the band, but then when you see it live, that's like a special different version. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, since we play these other instruments, I would love to play some keyboards or have Sarah play some flute or something like that on this album uh, or do mm-hmm. more harmony than we can do live even um, if we had more time in the studio. Yeah, you know? that'd be fun. Yeah, so we want to also make a make a music video, which Abe has started doing. Mm, uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> in his mind, thinking He's about it to start. <laughs> we're just planning stuff like planning more merch like shirts and stuff but taking a while off touring until we have like an album to tour with and like a music video to promote and like just getting all our ducks in a row to Mm -hmm. do to either do something or nothing with yeah so did you guys you guys toured this last one uh in the summer you went down south is that Mm -hmm. right so we went what, all over the country. Well, yeah, we when, when Gloria came out last sorry. August, we went on like a two and a half month long tour. Oh, really? Full national tour. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And then since then, this year, we just did a little Southeast thing in August. And it was all this year. That's probably what I saw. No, the, the national tour was last fall. It was like a year ago. Oh, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was like August to October. And in May this year, we or, or April or May this year, we got to go to the UK with Future Islands, which was really fun. And we played some of the new songs oh, yeah, right, we're so. about to record for like soundcheck and stuff. So nobody saw them, but they were playing. Got to hear them <laughs> really yeah. on big stages. It was fun. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. So that was your first time playing out of the country, I'd imagine, right? Oh, um, well, we played Tijuana. Oh, you did? okay. Yeah. Tijuana. We were in San Diego for a couple... Days and yeah. it was like let's just go wanna... drive a half an hour further and go to Mexico and play a show. That's so that was awesome. technically that was our like technically like out of the country show, but we also I mean, it was fun. It was an experience, but you know, this is our first time like flying somewhere to play shows in a country with like I've never been you know thousands of years more like history than yeah. yeah yeah. So what was the British crowd like? Pretty good. Yeah, We're pretty uh, receptive. Receptive. Vocal. I only got heckled once. Oh, nice. oh, that's so He's nice. like, get over it. <laughs> well, she got heckled, and then immediately, like, people on Twitter were defending her against the heckler. Like, I was there too. Don't listen to that guy. And they're like, don't let like, this guy right. represent us. Hell yeah. Support. <laughs> This guy was like really pissed that we were not, that the opening band was, al- was not also Future Islands. <laughs> he was like, Really ready for future yeah. islands, and I am extremely not future show. islands. Yeah, I was yeah. like, come on, man. It drives me nuts when people do that because what do they think if you guys leave future right. islands? They're just gonna, gonna go on immediately. immediately. I'm like, they're still coming on in an hour and a half, so you might as right. well fucking relax, fucking change your diaper, and enjoy yourself. <laughs> Pissy baby. Oh, that's amazing. So I haven't, um, I haven't talked to too many bands that have been on national tours. Tell me about touring. Um, any good stories about this last run? Or... <laughs> Abe gets to tell this one. Which one do you want me to tell? You know which one. All of them. <laughs> the money one? Yeah, the, the money one. <laughs> the possible narco one. Uh, the money one, okay. Narco? Um, yeah, I'll tell them. All one. right, yeah, tell, okay. Um, oh, the money one. We just, we, y'all can fill in. We, we just played Omaha. We had a eight-hour drive to Denver. So we get up nice and early and like responsible band and start driving. And uh, we had stopped at a gas station to go tinkle and then we left. And 
an hour down, two hours two down? Hours down two hours down the road. From two. like Lincoln, Nebraska, two hours out of Lincoln. Two hours out of the way. Sarah said, well, it's a good thing I have my credit card or something like that. We stopped at we stopped to get gas. We stopped to get gas two hours out of the way from our original stop, and I realized I didn't have my wallet. Oh, jeez. And I realized that at the first stop, I put my wallet on top of the car while I was filling the cooler with ice. Oh, shit. And I was like... And we were... So it would have been another four hours to yeah. backtrack to and then come back on top of an eight-hour drive already. So we backtracked. We went back two hours and... I called the police. All the while. At the... Okay. Austin was driving like 90-95 and we were like also not really we were paying trying to pay more attention to the other side of the street of the highway to see if we could see a black just trying leather, to find a wallet on the side of the highway in Nebraska in, as you're driving in, like, by Cornland, Cornland Nebraska and, <laughs> Cornland. and which is all of Nebraska I'm just sitting in the back but, uh, like tears streaming down my face like on the phone silently. with the Lincoln Nebraska PD and yeah. so she calls the PD they don't have the wallet and then immediately after she says, this lady says they don't have the wallet. She says, oh, we just had her wallet reported. So we're like, okay, cool. We're going back for a reason. Yeah. Cop will meet you at the gas station and give you your wallet. We get there. Everything's cool. Sarah's like crying hysterically, <laughs> happily, and then also like hysterically not happy before that. <laughs> big, broad range of, big, broad range of emotions. So there, was a, there was a crap crying. ton of money in her wallet. It was like $250, $300, something like that. Oh, and, um. Yeah. And we got back. I go in to take a pee because I'm dying. And I come out of the bathroom and Sarah's like shaking her head. I'm like crying I was, I was again. Like, I was like, what? She's like, there's nothing in my wallet. <laughs> they have they my didn't wallet. tell her on the phone. She's like, all, that, all that's in my wallet is, is my insurance card. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I know. <laughs> We Not just drove two hours back. What the fuck? I know. I and like, they're they like they couldn't totally tell you? fine. They're like, I'm weeping and like feel so terrible. And they're just like being so nice about it. Well, as soon as and we just like, agreed so, to like turn around and drive back, we're like, we'll So here's when it gets interesting. We, <clears throat> we were like, fuck it, I guess. We tried, you know. And uh, we leave and like Sarah was like, can you just like drive slow to see if we see anything on the side of the road, like right here? Like right before like, we sure. get on the highway. And um, Austin was like, there's a dollar. And I was like, what? So we like pull over. <laughs> we get out. Austin finds a dollar. Sarah immediately finds her ID. Oh, my This God. is all in the like, like the. The median. The median. Grass. Of where the you highway. pull off and like go take tinkles. And uh, <laughs> tall grass. And. Then we started finding money in this fucking field. Like chunks of money. And so we were like combing the median looking for all this money. We found, I like saw a dollar or like a $20 bill across the, the two lanes of a overpass. Like on the other side, yeah. And so I went over there and, and like we ended up finding... It was like $250. I think we found 250 out of 300 We found $250 in this field, in this overpass. <laughs> this guy got out of his car. He's like, had this huge long cigarette. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, what are you looking for? I was like, money. And I had like hands. I had my hands full of money and like bills. He was like, I was like, yeah, my, my friend's wallet just must have exploded on the highway. He's like, good luck. <laughs> Thanks. Duh, looking for money. It grows in. We found field. we found like a weird device for smoking whatever Drugs. out of. We found a pair of pants, bag of cat two, litter, two two like 
credit strangers cards. credit cards yeah. yeah bunch of random stuff so yeah if you if you want to find some cool stuff go to those overpasses <laughs> yeah. let me tell you drinks were on me that night it was <laughs> wild and then we got to denver in time to like eat some tasty curry it was that was completely shows. crazy yeah um that's lucky. Though. It turned I mean, an eight-hour drive into a twelve-hour yeah, drive. Yeah. At least you made it to the show, though. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah, and then it was like a cool house pretty show. Crazy it was like a fun too. show. Yeah. It is a pretty crazy story. Also, just like being on the phone with the police, and they're like, "No, no, no, nobody's reported anything." And then they're like, "Just in." Actually, they just found a wallet on the side of the road. And it's like this is nuts. Like this is fucking. I was an emotional roller coaster that day. Yeah, it really was. Wait, what's the narco story? Sad again. It's not important. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, mystery. I kind of want to press you for this narco story, it's but the, I don't want <laughs> I don't know. See, it's just like that narco part is like me thinking it's a better story than it is. But anyway, it was. we went to, it was the same, it was the night before. Oh, oh, yeah. We went to a, um, in like Idaho a, or an all-night um, restaurant and... The Mexican restaurant. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> These guys were... One guy came... They're, they're two friends. One was really drunk. And the other was, like, probably drunk, but not as drunk. And they kept grilling this, like, kid with this girl. A 15-year-old kid on a date. Like, and, completely uh, unrelated the to their yeah. party. They were, like, talking mad shit to him, and he was not talking shit back. And, um... But some of it was in Spanish, and I couldn't tell quite what they were saying. And, uh... So at this point, I had a pretty cool style going on. I had, I was wearing these super Daisy Duke speed, <laughs> sp- Speedo, like, uh, swimming it was like a bathing suit. Swimming, yeah. swimming trunk. Yeah. Bathing suit thing. It's wild. Uh, jean jacket, uh, shirt that had Definitely a giant weird. dog on it. Just a huge dog face. A giant look. beard, and my hair was really long. And, uh, I saw I looked like an insane person. <laughs> <laughs> but I was catching, I was catching wind of this. Sarah was with all of her friends that she hadn't seen in a long time. So, I, mean, I was like, we, we, we all kind of knew something was happening yeah. over here in this corner, but we weren't sure. And I saw that it escalated. Like the guy, like, got up and slammed his hands on the table. And as soon as that happened, I got up and, like, clapped my hands, was like, yeah, and I stepped like, in between and just stepped in between and I was like we're all just having fun here eating our food and it's delicious and why can't we just like continue to do that we don't need any fighting going on and um they said some things to me in Spanish and I wasn't sure uh they kept calling this dude a citizen that's why civilian civilian they're and like, chill he's a civilian I was, like, I was like they're either like in the military or I I don't I'm not trying to like stereotype that word to be something that it isn't that's why i was like not, not trying to call it narco stuff yeah but, but like, it was either like gang but it, but it was bizarre because it was like really. they kept calling him a civilian it was huh. but nuts. it was a kid everybody in the restaurant was like and the whole kitchen went in the back as soon as i did that it yeah, was like ah! everyone <laughs> like, like went and hid like standing ovation style <laughs> breaking up a fight and then we uh then we left immediately. Yeah, we, we were like, all right, let's go. <laughs> guess, guess we're all done with our food here. Okay, bye. Yeah, was, that was at like 2 in the morning. Did it break things up or were you yeah. just gone before you Yeah, they didn't know. At least, I mean, who knows what happened after we left, but like... We Abe's like there. surprise outfit and present <laughs> and clapping presence like completely diffused any terrible feelings they had. It surprised everyone. I know. It surprised me, honestly. Yeah. It was like a human smoke bomb. Just yeah. Get him right out of here. <laughs> 
<laughs> well put. Whisk that small boy away to safety. I've got a peaceful, easy feeling over here. How about you guys? Yeah. No, I forget about. You too could feel this way if you had this outfit. So that was that was actually yeah. So those both those events were like two days in a row. Yeah, that's within twenty four hours. So they other. say that the Midwest is boring, but I don't know. Yeah. It sounds kind of just stressful. Yeah. <laughs> From our experience, there's a lot going on. Oh, man. Do, do you have any favorite cities that you hit? I'm guessing that those weren't one of them just because of the circumstances. Oakland. You like love Oakland. Oakland was cool. Yeah. Um, we had a couple days there. Love Raleigh. Raleigh. Any, anywhere in North things. Carolina is our favorite ever. Love Richmond. Richmond. Uh, Lawrence, Kansas. Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, the jewel of the prairie. We, I don't know. Never been to Kansas. In Oregon, we played at Astoria. This case. We Astoria. played someone's like birthday party at a skate park. Some dude was like turning like twenty three or something, and he like butchered some ducks at the skate park. It was and, wild. Like, he was like them. Cooking. It was so weird. That's so And then he like right yeah right took us back to his, we stayed at his house and he told us how he he and his dad were like extras in the ring too, and then <laughs> and then about how he got like scammed in like Thailand or something. Yeah, he had some stories. But yeah, like, it's crazy. Landscape wise, yeah, Oregon was like Astoria, Oregon is yeah. like the most amazing. The most fucking beautiful. Shit. This summer Windy's I went Beach. there to visit a friend of mine. There's In Astoria? Like, yeah. There's there's like a darkness to the town yeah. that I really yeah. loved. Yeah. Like it's on the water. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very dark. Seems like it could get pretty ominous it's there eerie. in like the oh, dead yeah. of winter. It's really eerie. Yeah. yeah, super, very much so the ring too. Like Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. I love it. But also like Maybe mystical fairyland. Yeah, the be- we went to the beach and it was like it was wild, windy as a windstorm. It windiest was a windstorm. Beach. Like the sand was like it chafed my ankles. Oh, um, <laughs> not the first time my ankles have been chafed. If you know what I mean, uh, I don't. But that's yeah, yeah because it doesn't mean anything. Um, but like the ocean there was just like it looked like it would kill you if you got in like past your ankles like past your chafed ass ankles <laughs> probably cold too yeah like frigid yeah. and like that just you could tell the undercurrent was like primordial it was like beautiful mm-hmm. though mm-hmm. well i should um start winding things down to let you guys get on with Wait, your what? day but or, or, if, you, if you have more to say well <laughs> it's just started <laughs> i'm just kidding I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask you guys before I ask my wrap up question. Um, is there anything more you want to add? Anything more you want people to know about? I'm a redhead. Yeah, this is true. If you I'm can't tell over this podcast, and also right now my eyeshadow matches my shirt, so it's a good look. It's Thank you. Look. Coming out with us next year when we're when we're more actively doing our thing. Yeah. Or come to Charles Village and try and find which house we're practicing in from the sounds. <laughs> right. Yeah, like we're um, we're laying low for now, but it's all like you know for for good reason. We're we're trying to hit it hard in 2018. Awesome. Well, uh, this will be coming out in a couple weeks, so it'll cool. be. Uh, you guys will probably be picking things back. Merry Christmas! <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be before Christmas. Um, yeah. So I I always ask uh, what advice you would have for someone that maybe is just starting out playing music. Um, do you guys have any words of wisdom? We can go down the line. We'll start with sure. you. Uh, I would say play a lot of shows. If you really are interested in the performance side of things and not just you want to create things in like a, in a studio setting, play as many shows and as crappy a show as it has to be. Doesn't even matter. Um, just like, you know, get out there, I guess. 
Yeah, I'll speak for drumming. If you if you if you're if you're feeling the itch to drum, do it. If you can dance, you can drum. It doesn't matter what kind of kit you have. Just fucking play. Just fucking play. Like it. Hell yeah. Um. So I'll speak for all the heart and souls of bands out there. Um. Just if you're playing music for yourself, no matter where your band goes, you'll be happy. Um, just the, you know, if you're playing music for the right reasons, if you're in a band and like performing for the right reasons, you'll always have a good time. So just like, keep in mind, you know, like your goals and like, don't be too hard on yourself. If like, you know, this sounds depressing. Just don't be too, don't be too, don't be too hard on yourself. If like, you know, things aren't like looking amazing immediately because it's like, it's really a grind. And like, just if you were doing it, like without an end goal in mind, it's a little easier because you still get the amazing experiences without like setting expectations for yourself um, or others. So set your bar low bitches (laughs) and you'll have a great time. (laughs) Well, it's a process. Music is a process. I think sometimes people don't realize. Yeah. Just like if you had, like Abe was saying though, like I've always wanted to do it and like was always scared to do it. But the first show I played, I truly felt like I finally found what I was meant to do. So, um, do the damn thing. (laughs) Perfect. Well, this is so much fun. Thanks wing dam. I love you you guys. Your new album's great. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us.